Behold, a gateway to your own past, if you wish. is strange, it's alien, and it won't give us what we would like to have. After dealing with the Breck idiocy in hour number two, I'm ready to kick back and let Dave Bowman do some talking instead of me, because it's Tuesday, it's 8 o'clock, it's time for Dave Does History on Bill McLive. Our hour being brought to you by the McPherson Financial Group. You go to BillMick.com or the WMNB and Bill Mick uh, Live Facebook pages, links for you to Dave's uh, bibliography of the information he uses to bring all this stuff together and put it in front of us in such an interesting and fun way every Tuesday. Dave Bowman, we're going into the Wayback Machine today, pal, and it, I love these days. We missed last week, so we are back at it. Good to see you, buddy. I'm going to put on my resume, rescue show from Breck Discussions. Yeah, that'll be a good idea. <laughs> Good morning, Bill. How are you today? I'm very well. A little fired up after hour number two. Hour number one was a lot of fun. You probably didn't catch hour number one yet. No, I didn't. Uh, Columbus PD has embarrassed all of law enforcement, so we started and pretty much stayed with that through the hour. Um, But that was fun. Nonetheless, how are things in Dave's world? Silverdale, Washington, getting up early in the morning for us. Hot, hot, hot. Okay, wait a minute. You realize I'm in Florida. Right, I know. Define hot in Silverdale. 90. 90 degrees. You're getting 90? Uh, Enough that we went out and spent $500 on air conditioners. Really? Only to have it go back to 60 today. So, You know, I find it interesting that uh, my friends and family in West Virginia frequently over the last several weeks have had it much hotter than we've had it here. Of course, we get the sea breezes and the stuff and the alligators and the lizards that you love so much here in Florida. Alligators are lizards, so Uh that counts. (laughs) Some months ago, Bill, we had a caller... We were talking, I think we were talking about Governor Morris. I don't remember the details, but we had a caller who he wasn't complaining, but it almost sounded like he was about why are we talking about these people? There were only three or four guys that did anything at the convention and nobody knows anything about them anyway. And yada, mm-hmm. yada, yada. And I kind of took that as a, as a challenge because the truth of the matter is there were a lot of people at the convention, 55, and virtually all of them had some impact in some way. Now, obviously some had more impact others than others, but there are names involved here that we should know like Johnson. Johnson is a, what is it? I love the scene in uh, is it Die Hard, where the guy answers the phone. This is special agent Johnson. No, the other mm-hmm. one, no, the other one. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, no exactly. um, or it's like the name of Bimelech in the Bible. If you, if you ever read the, the old Testament, as you, call it, um, you'll discover that there's about a million Abimelechs in the Bible, and it all seems like it's the same guy. It's not, but but names get confusing, especially when you get a name like Johnson mm-hmm. and Samuel Johnson in 1700s was one of the most common names uh, there was. And we're not talking about Samuel Johnson per se. We are, but not that one. We're going to talk about his son, William Stanley Johnson. And you may be saying, you said, wait, maybe I've heard of him. It's a, it's a name that I recognize, 
but it's really not. This is not the guy that wrote the dictionary. He was English. We're talking about an American from Connecticut. He's actually the son of Samuel Johnson, the other one, no relation. But he was born in 1727 to a very well-known clergyman, Samuel Johnson, as I said. His father wants him to grow up and become a preacher. But he, because of the devil's influence, I guess, decides to become a lawyer instead, which I can tell oh, you. Yeah. Satan's involved somewhere. I can tell you from personal experience there, preacher dads don't like it when their sons don't follow in their, their footsteps. So Okay. <laughs> William Stanley Johnson is a well-regarded, well-respected, well-known person in colonial Connecticut. He becomes the Connecticut militia colonel. He is the colonel of their militia for over 20 years. He serves in the state legislature, and he serves as a justice on their state Supreme Court. He is a well-connected, well-educated. He is taught himself. He has the best clients in all of Connecticut. He has clients in England. He represents in uh, the colony. You need to understand that as famous as his dad is, and his dad, Samuel Johnson, the other one, the American one, is very famous, but he, William Stanley Johnson, his son, may be even more famous in the colonies, even though we've probably never heard of the guy. He has a special relationship with, with England. I mean, he, he's very close to a lot of people in England. But when the Stamp Act comes out, he actually attends the Stamp Act Congress in 1765 because he's going to get England to, as I like to say, pull their heads out of their you-know-whats and, uh -huh. and get back on the straight and narrow. He is so impressive in his arguments here that Oxford University, the Oxford, the one over there, issues him an honorary degree in 1766, a year later. That's how well-spoken of and well-thought-of he is on both sides of the Atlantic. You follow me here? Yeah, I'm with you. This guy is not some lightweight, and he still doesn't even have the legacy that his father has. His father is still even more well-known probably than he is. He ends up strongly opposing the Townsend Acts, the, the intolerable acts that the British put, put into place. But he comes at this whole thing with the, with the English from a very different attitude. Most Americans, most colonists think that the English are acting out of malice, that they don't like us, that they're abusing us, that this whole thing is just tyranny. And they're evil. And that's kind of the way England has come down in our history, at least in the colonial era. He believes that, and if I can say this, I don't know if I can say this on the air, but I'll try. He believes that the British are just stupid. And let they, me help you with that. The British are just stupid. He thinks he thinks they don't know anything about America, North America. They they're just acting out of ignorance rather than any malice. And he keeps trying to work on his English friends, including, by the way, one of whom is the other Samuel Johnson, the guy that wrote the English dictionary, who said of him, of all those whom the various accidents of life have brought within my notice, 
There is scarce anyone whose acquaintance I have more desired to cultivate than yours. That's what the guy who wrote the English Dictionary said about our William Stanley Johnson. Hmm. It's, I need you to understand how impressive this guy this was. This is a, re- a respected guy, a, a, a immensely respected, apparently. Right. And for all of that, he's not even in the same league as his own father. His own father, as we're going to discover later, is uh, even more influential than he is at this particular point. He's actually elected to the first Continental Congress, but he's not on board with the revolution yet. Oh, that makes it interesting. We'll dig into that when we continue. In just 60 seconds, it's Dave Does History on this Tuesday edition of Bill McLaw. Wasi's Meat Market bringing you our inflation vacation contest. Happens between 9 through the 5 o'clock hour each day. At 5 after, you'll get that cue to enter. You enter that keyword on the website at WMMBAM.com. Tell me a grand wouldn't do you a lot of good right now. Good luck. Want to see you win. Dave Bobin with us from Silverdale, Washington. We're doing Dave Does History. And uh, let's talk about William Stanley Johnson. Dave, where are we at now? So like I said, William Stanley Johnson, the son of Samuel Johnson, not that one, the other one, was elected to the first Continental Congress from the state of Connecticut. But he still believes that the English are just being stupid. He doesn't he doesn't think they're being evil. He doesn't think this is a he doesn't think this is something we ought to be fighting over. And so after the battle of Lexington Concord, um, well, back up for just a second. He, he declines the position to Continental Congress, and for that, the Patriots actually fire him as the militia colonel. He's been the colonel for 20 years. They fire him because he doesn't want to go to Congress. I'm not <laughs> sure who won that one, but after Lexington and Concord, he actually goes to visit one of his very close friends, a guy by the name of General Thomas Gage, who was the commanding officer of the British in Boston, to try to talk some sense into this guy. Look, Mm -hmm. you're acting out of stupidity. You don't understand these people. Now, this is very important to understand. You don't understand these people. William Stanley Johnson has a completely different understanding of who and what an American is that most people don't have. And today we have completely and utterly forgotten about. So. He goes to General Gage. He tries to talk some sense in him. General Gage, of course, is driven because he's English. He's driven by his manners and his his sense of duty and and honor and that sort of thing. But as he leaves Thomas Gage's house, he's arrested by the Patriots, William Stanley Johnson, for, quote, communicating with the enemy. Even though that could have been very beneficial if Gage had been of a mindset to listen. Right. So even though this guy is really well-known, very popular, the son of one of the most popular uh, Anglican ministers in the history of Connecticut. He's, he's kind of out of favor. And there's a lot more to the story. We get to it with Dave Does History on Bill McLive when we continue in moments on 92.7 FM WMMB. Make sure you're set up for our insider email. Sign up, top of the page, at BillMick.com.
Dave does history on Bill McLive in an hour, brought to you by the McPherson Financial Group. Every day we've got a call of the day. Yesterday it was Bob in Melbourne talking about our uh, 9 to midnight host, Jesse Kelly, and his thoughts on the 4th of July and his little community and uh, where we went with that. Uh, you can have your say through the uh, TalkBack app on the uh, TalkBack feature on the iHeartRadio app, or you can jump in here at 321-768-1240. As Dave is taking us through an understanding of William Stanley Johnson, know the other Johnson, and uh, a founding father we don't know a lot about. Dave, he went and spoke with the British general in Boston as the revolution was getting ready to culminate in a war. And then the Americans, the colonists, arrest him for going and talking to the enemy. Tell me where we're going from here. Yeah, they charged him with communicating with the enemy. Now, the charges didn't last because people were smart enough to realize that, hey, he's not he's not collaborating with the enemy. He's just communicating with them, and there's a difference between the two. After the Declaration of Independence is issued, though, William Stanley Johnson becomes one of the founding fathers of this country. He doesn't sign the Declaration of Independence. He's not part of Congress when it does that. But when they originally drafted the Declaration of Independence, there was a phrase. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. They're endowed by the creator with certain unalienable rights. And then the original read that among these are life, liberty, and property. Most of us know that. We understand that. And -hmm. it was changed. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, have you ever wondered, I mean, you can listen to talk show hosts pontificate about this for hours, about property rights are important. Why would they change it to pursuit of happiness? What what does that mean? Mm -hmm. Right? But it's after that change is made to the pursuit of happiness that Dr. William Stanley Johnson goes full American. He now is completely on board with the American Revolution. So there has to be something in that phrase that we need to look really closely at, isn't there? It seems that way, yeah. He is so an American, Bill, that there are towns in this country that are named for him. There's a town in Vermont that he, his family actually owns. They gave it to him. He said, we love you. Here's a town. Have this. <laughs> um, Southerners love him. The South delegates to Continental Congress, they just, they just think he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Um, there's actually a street in Madison, Wisconsin, that is named after him. So all of these things happen. The, he ends up serving in Congress. It's no longer called the Continental Congress after the Declaration of Independence. It's called the, the Confederation Congress because they draft the Confederation, and there you go. Connecticut, okay. Connecticut sends him as a delegate to the Philadelphia Convention of 1787, the Constitutional Convention. He is very much a strong central government guy. He and Madison, Madison and Hamilton really see eye to eye. But he's a small stater. He's from Connecticut. So he's very much about equal representation, which means he ends up strongly supporting the Connecticut Compromise that ends up with the equal representation in the Senate. But it's at the very end of all this that he really comes into play. When they form the Committee of Style, which is the committee that's going to take all of this jumble and put it into a cogent document, which is where we started with Governor Morris as he writes the preamble because he's part of this Mm -hmm. committee. Mm-hmm. He ends up chairing a committee that consists of Alexander Hamilton, Rufus King, uh, James Madison, and Governor Morris. This guy that nobody's heard of today, for the most part, 
is the guy that they put in charge of those four people to write. I would think the committee chair would get more recognition than this. Just saying. You would think. He's very close friends. Was, with, he, was he in their version of Breck? <laughs> Just ask. Maybe. He's very close friends with Franklin, Ben Franklin. And mm-hmm. he has that same effect that Franklin has. He can calm the waters. He can, he's like oil on a, on a, you know, like Ben Franklin would pour oil on water that was rough and it would smooth out. He's that same kind of guy. And it's actually him who chairs that committee that produces our government because it produces the final form of the constitution. And he has as much to do with that as any of the other four does. We just don't know about it because he didn't have a real good PR agent, I guess. Or he let the people in the committee do the work as he guided what went on as a leader would do. You would hope, right? Yeah. So where did he get all these ideas that he poured into the constitution? And what was it about that phrase, the pursuit of happiness that caused him to go? Yeah, this is where I need to be. I can't wait to find out. We'll do it after I remind everybody that the McPherson Financial Group is this hour's sponsor of the program. Your retirement's important to you. It's it's important to Art and the staff of the McPherson Financial Group as well. All the uh, issues we're having with the economy, inflation and the like. Talk of gloom and doom, a recession pending or in it already. Don't let it derail your retirement plans. Reach out to the McPherson Financial Group at 321-253-2016 or see them online at mcphersonfinancialgroup.com. Art will uh, give you a complimentary review of your current plan, see where it's headed and what tweaks may be necessary to get you where you want to be. The idea is to make your retirement life just what you need it to be and the plan that is solid to get you there. The McPherson Financial Group LLC is a financial services firm that offers a broad array of products and services, including insurance and annuities. They're licensed in Florida, and I'm compensated for this endorsement, but they do handle my financial planning. Thanks to them for making the hour possible as Dave does history here on Bill McLive. So William Stanley Johnson is leading the drafting. Uh, well, the, the final document of the constitution, Dave, how's it going? It went well. It, it went really well. And we got the document that we got. Of course it gets ratified and Dr. Samuel Johnson, I'm sorry, Dr. William Stanley Johnson goes on to become a United States Senator from Connecticut. And one of the most famous early Americans that nobody knows anything about today, uh, unfortunately. But it's that phrase, Bill, the pursuit of happiness. And if I were to ask you what that meant, what would you tell me? The ability to pursue your dreams, have your family prosper, be able to do what you need to do to survive and thrive, I guess. It's one way to look at it, isn't it? Mm-hmm. His dad, Samuel, William Stanley Johnson's dad, we've talked about him, Dr. Sam, Dr. Reverend Samuel Johnson. That's how you differentiate him from the guy that wrote the dictionary. He's just Dr. Samuel Johnson. This guy is Dr. Reverend Samuel Johnson, the American version, is one of the leading philosophers of the early 1700s. While he's in college, he's bored, so he decides to write, quote, a book of all knowledge, unquote. Everything humanity knows, he writes in this book. And he gets all the way to the very last page. He has written down everything humanity knows. You with me here? Mm-hmm. And then he gets a better job. And so he just walks away from it and leaves it. <laughs> he starts studying philosophy because they get a bunch of books. And this leads him to pursue an idea that to this day, very few people even know about, and almost nobody gives him credit for him. 
he will actually reinvent education in America. Like his son, who will believe that England is um, mistaken about the colonies, not malicious, he believes that the English education system is about manners. It's about perpetuating the class system. It's about teaching people how to behave rather than how to think, right? Mm -hmm. He wants the American colonialists to pursue a different kind of philosophy. And over the next five decades, he will teach more than 3,000 American students his philosophy, including his son, who is well-steeped in this. Over half the men who are at the dec- uh, the, the the Continental Congress that, that creates the Declaration of Independence will study either under him directly or under teachers that he taught. So his philosophy system is steeped into the leaders of the colonies and the men who will write and sign the Declaration of Independence, right? Mm-hmm. We hold these truths to be self-evident. Well, what was his American philosophy, you might be asking? It wasn't about heredity or class systems. Remember, he thinks that the English education system is all about that. He decides that Americans do not need to train in manners and formality of class. You know they, what? I think we've we've overexcelled and, and, and succeeded there. And we're going to have to pause, but I want to hear more about it when we continue. Dave does history. Unknown founding fathers. Well, one of them anyway. And his dad, a big influence and how our country came to be. Stay with us as we close a Tuesday together on Bill Mick Live. Give you some shots to talk. 321-768-1240 when we can. Dave Does History, our weekly journey through the Wayback Machine. Dave Bowman is with us on Bill Nick Live. He gets up pretty bright and early in Silverdale, Washington to join us here in the 8 o'clock hour. 5 o'clock out there for those guys. and He gets up earlier than that. Usually hears all the 7 o'clock hour of the show, if not more, and then chimes in with what he brings to the table for us. It takes a lot of work, and Dave, I really appreciate the work you do. The McPherson Financial Group making the hour possible. Um... We're talking William Stanley Johnson, Dave, and uh, a founding father that we didn't know was this involved. We're talking the pursuit of happiness and how do we get there? And his father, who, yeah. who revised the entire education system in America, built colleges. So did his son, by the way. Um, Samuel Johnson, Dr. Reverend Daniel John- Samuel Johnson's philosophy, he felt it was important to get away from the English system of manners and formality. He wanted something that was not about heredity not about class systems, because in America, even in the colonial America, those things didn't really matter that much. He wanted a philosophy that will match the boundlessness of the continent. And while life, liberty, and property was the original draft of the Declaration of Independence, both the final draft of the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution 
were written by men who had been trained to think American philosophy as invented by Dr. Reverend Samuel Jackson, the father of William Stanley Johnson. His American philosophy began as a battle between teaching these ideas, like I said, English and colonial, but these were based even more in philosophy. Descartes' famous, I think, therefore I am. This is one of the foundational items of, of philosophy, if you've studied that. But he believed that for the American colonialist, the American, it was no longer, I think, therefore I am. It was now, I perceive and I act, therefore I am. Which, I, this isn't a philosophy class, I don't have time to go through the whole thing, but you can see there's a difference there. We act, we, we see what's happening and we take action. We don't just think about it. We do something, which is different Mm -hmm. than the British system. It brought a practical action oriented, oriented philosophy, as well as this is important. He taught his students in English, not Latin. And see if this sounds familiar for the first time in English speaking history, there were no religious tests for admission into his colleges or graduation. Does that sound familiar at all? And there's a guy who's a pastor. Right. But does it sound familiar to you at all? No Uh, religious tests. Yes. Where have I heard that phrase? Hmm. The biggest thing of all, though, he believed was that the American philosophy was about the pursuit of happiness. He actually wrote those words. I perceive and act, therefore I am, as I pursue happiness. Now, imagine you're sitting around the Declaration of Independence, Continental Congress, and you're reading this, and it says life, liberty, and property. That's a very English thing. I perceive, I think, therefore I am. We don't just do that here in America. And of the men in that room, more than half had either been taught by Dr. Reverend Samuel Johnson or had been taught by his students, including his son. And they said to themselves, wait. What is it that makes us American above anything else? Well, it's that pursuit of happiness, this idea that we are taking action. We are moving forward. We are doing something, not just thinking about it. You are in control within reason of your own destiny. So they changed it to those words, the pursuit of happiness. And when they changed those words, Dr. William Stanley Johnson went, Oh, that's right. That's what my dad's been telling me all these years. And he got on board with the, with the revolution, goes on to become one of the founding fathers, makes sure that the phrase law and equity makes it into the Constitution, makes sure that the idea of no religious tests, which he learned from his father, gets into the uh, Constitution. Which is pretty tolerant considering the prevailing mindsets of the time, right? It, it's exactly. And remember, that only applied at the time to the federal government. It didn't apply to state governments. It -hmm. took some years for that to happen as well. But it's that phrase, the pursuit of happiness, that really defines what is an American. What is an American? It's someone who has the right, endowed by their creator and unalienable, to pursue happiness. The English didn't have that. And that's what made us American. That's what invented America, the pursuit of happiness. And Dr. Sam, Dr. Reverend Samuel Johnson and his son, William Stanley Johnson, deserve a lot of credit 
for making those sure that those ideas were not only in the Declaration of Independence, but the Constitution as well, and still to this day impact our lives, even if we don't really completely understand it, which is unfortunate. It is something for us to consider. We get to your calls at 321-768-1240. We pick it all up in just one minute on 92.7 FM WMMB. 321-768-1240 lets you in. Dave does history on Tuesdays in this 8 o'clock hour of Bill McLive. We head to those phones. Good morning. You're up with Bill and Dave. Hey, this is Gary Pompey, Melbourne area. Gary, we've got a lot of noise in the background. Can you kill it for us? Uh, no. Hey, just stay safe. Go ahead. Go ahead with your point. We'll try to live with it while we can here. Uh, we lost the call. I think he said thanks, Dave. I think he appreciates this. That's where we're sitting. I appreciate that. Interesting. Yep, After true. the discussion of Jesse Kelly yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Completely unrelated point. I tell you what, we got a little time here. You, you right. have sounded off on the Jesse Kelly thing. Um, I have talked long and hard about how we, as alleged conservative Republicans, act in relation to those with whom we have very divergent viewpoints. You and I don't agree on everything, yet we remain dear friends. Um, and we even tolerate Rod. Uh, <laughs> but the Jesse Kelly thing, and, and we talked this yesterday in our In a Handbasket segment. As a matter of fact, it consumed the rest of that hour. Going after this maybe gay, certainly transactive lady who took her son to Vegas to see his favorite drag queen. Not a decision you and I would make unless our kids were old enough to enjoy the humor that we would bring to the conversation at that point. And she, because of her activism in the community, working on a mayor's commission on gun violence and all this other stuff, uh, was selected to lead this one community's 4th of July parade. It happens to be where Jesse Kelly lived. And Jesse, who I appreciate what he does on the station, does a great show. Through his tweets and social media and his, his podcast and uh, the like, had said, this lady's not thinking like we are. We shouldn't have her at the front of this parade. And the question I asked Dave is, can we not have different viewpoints and still love the country equally? And can't we be tolerant of that? I mean, I wouldn't have gone this direction if I were Jesse Kelly. Well, all I can tell you for sure is that after Lexington and Concord, one of the greatest founding fathers we have, the man who, who was the son of the man who invented America, went and sat down for tea and dinner with crumpets with, with Dr. with General Thomas Gage because he believed that differences can be resolved. My, I had a lot of issues with what Jesse Kelly had to say. I had a lot of issues with a lot of, what a lot of other people had to say about it. Um, number one, just Haley Carter, the girl in question is from Friendswood, Texas. That's her hometown. So yeah. this and was apparently that's where Kelly lives as well. Right. But it's not his hometown. I mean, he, he moved in there. So, um, my Don't issue, go all Modesto on me, Dave yeah. Bowman. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So my my issue with it was the child. One one it doesn't matter if you disagree with somebody, if you want to have that discussion, that's fine. But once you post a picture of the child, you're you're off the map. Here be monsters. You and I have the right to raise our children the way we see fit, and we have done so, and you are doing so because Ben is what, 10, 11 years old now. Almost twelve next month. Wow, isn't that something? Do we not 
have an obligation to afford that right to other people, even when we disagree with what they're doing. Unless there is child abuse involved, and some would classify this as that. I don't at this point with what I know right now. Do they not have the same right? And are we unwilling? I told some uh, libertarians on the show the other day, you're not being the libertarians you think you are when you want to silence these other voices. And right. that's where we're, we're falling here. Well, and that's what it comes down to. And, and Thomas Jefferson said it well. What, what difference does it make what they do? If it, doesn't, if it doesn't break my bones or reach into my pocket, who cares? And that's, that's exactly kind of my philosophy. Right. Let's get another call in. Good morning. You're on Bill McLaughlin. Good morning, Mr. Bill. I would like to say thank you, thank you to you and Mr. Day. Um, that presentation was so beautiful, and that's where I come from, from County Court on my mom's side, that being English, God's Welsh, French, Lenape, Indian. doesn't matter what you are. Your name's the most important thing, and we're here because of freedom of speech and everything that you've been talking about. That's what we were taught. That's America, and God bless America. And thank God for you two gentlemen. God bless you. You bet. Thank you very much. Glad you're here. Line two, you're on Bill McLive. Good morning. Morning. Go right ahead. Hey, uh, hey I have a follow-up question for the professor. <laughs> I, uh, I, I just uh, wanted to ask about uh, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Uh, is there any reason to think that... Um, that they put it in that order of priority as um, a show of what's more important? And if so, or if not so, uh, how come uh, we haven't really heard that argument being made for um, pro-life versus pro-choice? Interesting thought. Dave, you have anything on that? I think it has been made. You know, look, I wasn't there, and I've never gotten to talk to Thomas Jefferson. But Thomas Jefferson is a brilliant writer, and I think that there's a certain alliteration to the phrase life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Um, that Without one in, in the order that they're presented, you're not going to have the other. Right. And, you know, it's the same mistake people make with the Bill of Rights. Oh, the Bill of Rights are in the order of importance. No, they're in the, import, they're, they're in the order that they were written. And what we call the First Amendment was actually the Third Amendment. And what we call the 27th Amendment was actually the Second Amendment. So. You know, I, I don't put a lot of emphasis on order. All right. Very good. Good morning. You're next on Bill McLock. Caller, go right ahead. Hey, uh, this is James uh, from Merritt Island. I uh, actually live up in uh, in Silverdale near where your guest is. I live in Palsbo. And uh, just how I'm doing some work on our Florida house. And thought I'd call you and say good morning. And uh, you're right that. Most people do not understand that we have the right to pursue happiness. The government's job is to prevent people from not allowing us to do that. You cannot live in Washington State or have been there very long. Come on. They beat that out of you there. Hey, let me tell you what. Every time I tell my buddies here because I was raised up in the South, they go, you're where? And I said, man, you get an hour south of, of Seattle and it's normal people. Uh, they brush your teeth and, uh, you know, yeah. use, uh, <laughs> use deodorant. You know, I had lunch with a friend last week who lives in Oak Harbor and she and her kids are in town. We had lunch last week and they absolutely love Washington state. I got to let you run. The show is just about done. Dave, we're under a minute, but, uh, oh, now, now you're invading Brevard, Dave. What's right. up? Well, just so the caller knows, I live, uh, right on the top of, of Silverdale way and, and, and 305. So. Right off the Where you have that wonderful homeowners association we hear about on your yep. podcast. Yep, that I'm a part of. Right off, right. Off, I'm 2.5 miles from the front gate of Banger. Um, 
TheDaveBowmanShow.com if you want to find it, by the way. Dave, I'll let you close it. We've got 25 seconds. I don't really have anything more to say except that spend the day, spend this week leading into July 4th rereading the Declaration of Independence and understand that it's the pursuit of happiness that makes us Americans. Made all the difference in the world. Dave Bowman, always a pleasure. I look forward to Dave Does History next week. Thank you to the McPherson Financial Group for bringing you this hour. Tomorrow, it's Wide Open Wednesday. That ought to be interesting. We'll talk to you then.